Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord? Today we're looking in the book of 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. I want you to pay close attention as we read uh, through this passage today. It is absolutely incredible. We're going to begin reading with verse number 3. Peter writes, and he says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. He goes on and he says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to notice verse number 11 again. The Bible says we do all of these things that it was said in the previous verses. It says, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm using for uh, the theme of my message today, a grand entrance. A grand entrance. Father, we thank you for uh, your word today, Father. God, I just pray today, once again, that, that, that your anointing, Father, your anointing will rest upon the, the message and the messenger, Lord, today. Give us ears to hear the word of God. Help us to hear clearly today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will do your work uh, in this place today. Father, let everything be done for, uh, for your glory uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Praise you may be reseated this morning. Peter said that God wants to grant us a grand entrance into uh, God's kingdom. A grand entrance. And then Peter shares three things about the process. Say process. Peter shares three things about the process that God uses to get us there. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. I don't know how it happened, but but somehow, somewhere along the way, people have come to believe that, that when it comes to heaven, that one size fits all. Um that somehow there will be total equality in heaven, that, 
that, that everyone will, will share in the same reward. And, and somehow they've come to believe that, 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 that the only thing that we should be concerned about is getting there. Not so. Not so. You see, some will arrive in heaven with great fanfare. Peter used the phrase, a grand entrance. Uh, now, a grand entrance speaks of exuberant celebration. It, it speaks of pomp and circumstance. It speaks of the bestowing of, of honor uh, and recognition. You see, while some will arrive in heaven with a grand entrance, others will barely get there by the skin of their teeth. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 15 tells us that some will be saved They will be saved like someone barely escaping through a wall of fire or a wall of of flames. Uh, People like the thief on the cross who who only called on God uh, with his dying breath. Uh, people who, uh, though they have heard a thousand sermons, though they have attended church uh, quite regularly, yet they have failed to do very uh, much with what they have received, with what they have heard, and what they have been taught. One person is with me. How many are you still with me this morning? Uh, People uh, who live on the edge, trying to see uh, what all they can get away with and just how close to the edge that they can get uh, without falling off. Uh, People that that try to run with the world and walk with God uh, at the same time. Now, please do not misunderstand me this morning. I want you to hear me clearly. Do not hear what I am not saying. Understand uh, what I'm saying today. It's by grace and grace alone that will get us into the kingdom of God. Works can never save us. You see, if works could save us, then we wouldn't have any need for Jesus. So don't misunderstand me this morning. I, I'm not saying that works, uh, that, 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 that we can work our way into heaven. I'm not saying that works saves us. No, no, no. 100% no. Works can never save us. If we could get saved by works, we wouldn't even need Jesus. But although works cannot save us, it is our works that will be rewarded. Or the lack of our works or wrong motives with our works that will cause us to be unrewarded. It's our works. It's what we do for God after he saves us uh, that will determine whether we are granted a grand entrance into heaven or whether we barely make it in by the skin of our teeth. So let's take a look at the process that Peter talks about here that God uses to assure us of a grand entrance into the kingdom of heaven. The first thing I see here in this passage that we've read today is I see see God's provision. God's provision. Verse number 3 says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Did you hear what Peter said there? Peter said that God has provided for us everything. How much? Everything that we need for living a godly life. People say all the time, well, it's just too hard to live for God. Uh, People say all the time, well, I just can't live above sin. I just can't seem to get it done. I just can't seem to do it. I, I just can't seem to live out this Christian life. But God says you can. God says, I have given you everything you need. 
everything you need to help you, everything you need to equip you, everything that you need to strengthen you, everything that you need to become an overcomer, everything that you need to help you walk the walk and not just talk the talk. God has provided for us everything we need. Let me just suggest four things that that God has provided. First of all, God has provided His Son. You see, God knew that man could never save himself. God knew that man could not pull himself up by his own bootstraps. God knew that man could never get there. And so God did for man what man was unable to do for himself. And he did this through his son. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whoever would believe upon him would not have to perish but could have everlasting life. God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Romans chapter 5 and verse 18 says, Through the sin of Adam, one man, condemnation came upon everybody. Say everybody. But he goes on to write and say, but through Christ and his righteousness, a right relationship with God and new life is made available. So let me remind you today that salvation comes only to those who place their faith, their trust, their hope, their confidence in what Jesus did for them on the cross. But not only did God provide us with his son, but he also provided us with his spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And he says that if you allow the Holy Spirit to guide your lives, he says, then then you won't be uh, doing what your sinful nature craves. Let me tell you today that the desire to sin will never go away. The desire to sin will never go away. Not in this life. You see, our old human nature will will, will never stop trying to rear its ugly head in our life. Now, Now, our sinful desires may change. They may change as we grow older. They may change uh, as we mature in our walk with the Lord. But the desire to sin will never go away totally. Satan will make sure of that. Now, when we were were younger, perhaps our desire uh, of sin might have been lust. Now, it might be be a a fight uh, for us not to become bitter. A fight for us not to become angry. A fight for us not to become jealous or covetous. You see, our preference of sin may change, but but the battle with sin will continue as long as we have breath in our bodies. And God knows this. And this is why He has provided us with His Holy Spirit. He comes as a guide. Paul said, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Well, how many understand this morning that that the Holy Spirit won't guide you into sin? But he He will guide you away from sin. You see, when we get close to sin, an alarm goes off in our spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, and an alarm goes off in our spirit. And it starts going, beep, beep, beep. 
deep. And if we back away from this uh, sin, uh, the beeping stops. But if we continue to get closer to the sin, the, the beeping gets louder. Beep, beep, beep. Again, if we back away from the sin, uh, then the beeping goes away. But the closer to the sin that we get, the louder the, the beep goes. Beep, 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 beep. You can live for God. God has given you the Holy Spirit, amen. And he has put an alarm in you. And when you get close to sin, that alarm will go off in your heart and in your spirit. You need to listen to the alarm when it goes off. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 25. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 25. Paul writes, and he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, he says that the results are very clear. And then he tells us some results for, sin, for uh, following our sinful desires. He lists uh, sexual immorality. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility. So far, so good. I'm doing okay. (laughs) Doing good. Uh Uh-oh. Then in the very same list, he says quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, Division, envy. And then he goes on and says, drunkenness, oh God. And party, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, he says, I have told you before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. All I understand, the drunkenness and the immorality and, and all of that and the idolatry, but quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. Now, now understand, he's not talking about, you know, one time. A one time. I mean, we're all going to fight these battles. As long as we're fighting these battles, we're okay. He's talking about a lifestyle of this. A lifestyle of this. He says, let me tell you again. In case you didn't get it the first time, let me. Hey, thank you, Paul. I'm not the only one that repeats myself. Let me tell you again, as I have told you before, that anyone living, notice, living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he goes on. He said, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. Say, this kind. What kind? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our Not only has God provided us with His Son and provided us with His Spirit, but He has also provided us with His Scriptures. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says, The Scriptures were given to us in order to teach us 
And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement. Can I just be totally transparent with you? You, you, you know I'm going to be anyway, right? It, 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 it annoys me a little bit when people ask me, uh, Pastor, what is God saying? What is God saying? He's saying the same thing he's been saying since he had his sayings (laughs) recorded in his book. This is what God is saying. If you want to know what God is saying today, you don't need a prophet to tell you what God is saying. I against prophets? No, not genuine prophets. I'm not. If they tell you they're a prophet, they're probably not. Somehow I just don't think you have to announce that you're a prophet. If you want to know what God is saying today, you don't need a prophet to tell you. You just need to open God's book and read it for yourself. If you want to know what God is saying, read his book. He wrote it down for you. Do you, know, do you want to know what pleases God? Read his book. He tells you in his book what pleases him. Do you want to know what displeases God? All you got to do is read his book because he tells you in his book, amen, what displeases him. He'll tell you what ticks him off. Do you want to solve your marriage problems? Do you want to grow your business? Do you want to parent your children, right? Amen. Do you want to know how to deal with difficult people? Read the book. Read the book. Everything we need to know about life, including eternal life, God has provided for you and for me in his scriptures. Amen. He's done it either directly or indirectly. Some things are addressed specifically and the things that are not addressed specifically we can still receive instruction and direction uh, through applying the principles uh, that the Bible teaches but hey if his son and his spirit and his scriptures are not enough for you God has also provided us with his saints 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are doing. I love the old story. It's been around forever and I've told it many times. But I love the old story of the little boy that came into his mom and his dad's bedroom in the middle of a thunderstorm. He was fearful. He was frightened of the snap, crackle, and popping of, of the thunder and the lightning. And so he comes into his mom and his daddy's uh, bedroom, and he, and he says, I, I'm scared, daddy. I'm scared. Uh, can, I, can I sleep uh, in your bedroom? Can I sleep in here with, with, with you and mommy tonight? And the dad did the dad thing. He said, son, there's nothing to be frightened about. There's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, It's just a little bit of thunder. It's just a thunderstorm. Uh, It's nothing severe. Uh, It's okay. Everything's going to be all right, son. Just go back uh, into your own bedroom. and, And besides that, son, Jesus, Jesus will be in the bedroom with you. And the little boy said, but daddy, right now, I need someone with skin on. Sometimes we need someone with skin on. Amen? 
2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says that God has given us everything. Say everything. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. He has provided us with His Son, His Spirit, His Scriptures, and even His saints. Ah, someone with skin on. Someone who faces the same things we face. Someone who fights the same devil that we fight. See, here's what I've I've come to know, and that is that sometimes we are the leaning post. And sometimes we are the leaner. Sometimes people lean on us, and sometimes we need someone to lean on. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, God is the source of all comfort. And He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. And when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. At the grace place, our DNA is caring people, caring for people. Do we bat a thousand in this area? Of course not. No one does and no one can. But this is our desire and this is, this is our dream and this is our hope and this is our goal. Amen. And this is who uh, that we want to become. And so because of that, I encourage you to reach out to people. I encourage you to love on people. I encourage you to care for people. I encourage you to be patient with people because you're going to need people to be patient with you. Back to our scripture for today. Talking about the process God uses to assure us a grand entrance into his kingdom. The first thing I see in this passage is God's provision. The second thing that I see here is God's promises. God's promises, verse number four. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. But notice what he says after that. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So let me remind you of what this passage is talking about. It's talking about the process God uses in order to guarantee us a grand entrance into his kingdom and not just make it in by the hair of our chinny-chin-chin. You know, when we think of God's promises, we immediately begin to think of promises that appeal to our flesh. The promises that all oh, that help us to better live and enjoy the American dream. All oh, the promise of health and wealth and prosperity. And please do not misunderstand me this morning. I, I, I certainly believe that God wants to bless his people. I certainly believe that God, amen, wants, to, wants the best for his children. But let me tell you this morning that God is far more concerned with our faith than he is of our feelings. And God is far more concerned with the eternal than he is with the temporal. And God is far more concerned with our character than he is with our comforts. In this particular passage, Peter is speaking specifically to God's promises in a specific area. Verse 4 again. These are the promises. Say, these are the promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. So God's promise here is that He has provided us with everything we need to live a godly life. This is God's promise. Although it is God's promise, you and I, and he tells us that we must act on the promises of God. We're going to talk more about that in point number three. Let let me very, very quickly, I want to very quickly give you three things about God's promises. 
Very quickly, give you three things about God's promises, and then we'll move on. Number one, they're clear. They're clear. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need. How much? My God shall supply all your need. He's going to do it according unto his riches and glory, and he's going to do it by Christ Jesus. So God makes his promise clear. He wants it clearly stated that he is ready, willing, and able to meet every single need that we might have. Now, I suggest that for every problem, God has a promise. In fact, there are 8,803 promises in the Word of God. And hey, if you do not believe that, I just challenge you to go home today and, and, and count them. And, and, and if I'm wrong, you can correct me. We'd both win if you looked hard enough to find 8,803 promises. And even if I was wrong, we'd both win because you would have studied the Word. Amen? But not only are God's promises clear, they're also conditional. See, that's something that we forget about. That's something we don't think about. But God's, con- God's promises are conditional. In fact, God doesn't make unconditional promises. God does not make unconditional promises. God's promises are always accompanied by a condition, and most of the time, many conditions. For instance, just, just for an example, 2 Corinthians, or Chronicles, excuse me, 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, God says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then he said, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Well, we just like to say, well, God promised to forgive all of our sin and to heal our land. You know, we've got, we've got God's promise, so God's got to heal our land. Well, he said if, 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 if. God's promises always come with conditions. God says, I will if you. If you. But not only are God's promises clear and conditional, they are also certain. There's certain Hebrews 6 and 18 says, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. All right, we're talking about uh, being granted a grand entrance into God's kingdom. To arrive in heaven with pomp and circumstance and celebration and great fanfare, Peter talks about the process God uses to assure us of this possibility. So far we've talked about God's provision. We've talked about God's promise. Notice the third part of this process that's found in verses 5 through 11. I call it man's portion. Man's portion. You see, there's a work for God to do, but there's also a work for man to do. Three amens. I said there's a work for God to do, but there's also a work for man to do. Now, once again, I've got to say it again. I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not saying that works will get you into heaven. I am saying that your works will have much to do with how you arrive and how you are received, and especially how you are going to be rewarded once you get there. And I do want to say this as well. Although our works do not provide our salvation, they do prove 
our salvation. Works do not provide our salvation, but works prove our salvation. James said it like this in James chapter 2 and verse 18. He said, hey man, uh, I'll show you my faith. Or or I'll prove to you that I'm a a person of faith. Okay, James, how are you going to do it? He answered that. He said, by my works. He said, by my works, I will prove to you that I am a man of faith. Peter said the very same thing in our text. Verse number 10, he said, work hard to prove. To what? He said, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and God has chosen. He goes on to say, do these things and you will never fall. And then he says, then, say then. Then Then God will give you a grand entrance into his eternal kingdom. So let me very, very quickly this morning point out five things that God expects out of us who call ourselves Christians, who call ourselves saints. Again, hear me clearly, not in order to be saved, but as fruit that proves that we are saved. Are you with me? Nobody's throwing spitwads at me right now, so hopefully you're with me this morning. Number one is effort. Effort. Verse 5, make every effort. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. And then notice what he says next. Supplement your faith. What? Supplement your faith. And then he gives us a long list of what we should supplement our faith with. Well, let me ask you this morning, are you you putting forth any effort in your relationship with God? Peter said in verse 5, make every effort. Are you putting forth any effort in your relationship with God? You see, to maintain and develop any relationship requires effort on both parties. Now, God has already done His part. He's given us His Son. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us His Scriptures. He's given us His saints. God has, and He continues to put out great effort in order to have a relationship with us. I'm asking you this morning, are we making any effort on our part? By prayer? By reading God's Word? By coming to his house? By not just being a hearer of the word? Not just picking and choosing what I like and what I don't like? Pastor said, well, what did he say before and what did he say after? And what's the context of what he said? But not just that, but, you know, can we just... Okay, I've done my duty now. Done my duty. Came to church. Amen. Worship was awesome. And, you know, I I made it through. Only nodded off three times during the sermon, man. I'm doing good. Or are we putting in some effort in our relationship with God? Amen. Amen. Through prayer, through reading the Word, through coming to the house of God, by putting into practice what we hear. What is man's portion? Number one is effort. Peter says number two is excellence. 
excellence, verse 5, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with, with patience. So let me ask you this this morning, is there any excellence in your walk with God? Let me ask you this this morning, do you take your testimony seriously? Let me ask you this this morning, what do people say about you? What do people think about you? How do people view you? I mean, let me ask you this this morning, do they see Christ in you? What is man's portion according to Peter? It's effort. It's excellence. Number three, it's endurance. Endurance. Verse six, supplement your faith with patient endurance. Since I'm asking you a lot of questions today, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question this morning. Can you endure anything? Can you endure anything? Do you have any endurance? Do you have any patience with the trials of life? Or are you a fair-weather Christian? Your faith looks pretty strong during the good times. Amen. As long as the sun is shining and the birds are singing and the leaves are in the breeze, you know, with a nice cool breeze. As long as everything is great and right and wonderful in your life, ah, you look pretty good. But what about when all hell comes against you? This is hard for me to preach because I know some people in our church, all hell's going coming against them right now. But this is what God said to preach, so I'm preaching it. Faith looks pretty strong during the good times, but how, how do you fare when the tests, how do you fare when the trials come into your life? Let me ask you this morning, can you endure the tests of the fiery trial like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did? Can you endure the thorn in the flesh like the Apostle Paul did? What is man's portion, Peter? Effort? Excellence, endurance. How about evidence? Verse 7, and godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. May I ask you this question this morning? Is there any evidence of Christ living in you? Let me ask you this this morning. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would they let you off on a technicality? <laughs> Notice the last one. Effectiveness. Verse 8. The more you grow like this, he writes the more productive and useful you will be. Do you know you're not saved just to sit on that chair? Do you know that God doesn't save you just to keep you out of the fires of hell? Do you know that God's intention for you is to become productive and useful? Do you know how many people come to church? And I'm not talking just about our church. I'm just talking about the church in whole, uh, uh, universal. They come to church all the time. 
and it's all they can barely do, just to, just barely. I mean, they just, I mean, they're just hanging on by their fingertips, man. The fire of hell is below them, and they're just barely hanging off. They, 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 they've been saved for years. They've been in church for years. And they're just barely hanging on by the tips of their fingers. So that's not God's plan for you. Amen. Now we've all been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Come on, we all have. But that's called being a baby Christian. Amen. And you know, like that old timer used to say, you know, I don't mind bottle feeding people, but you know when you gotta, you know, you gotta part the whisker to to put the you know the whiskers to put the bottle in. Peter writes, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be. So let me ask you one last question this morning. Are you productive? Are you useful to God? Is your life effective? Are you affecting people? Are you affecting them in a positive way? Does your life point people to Jesus or does it point people away from Jesus? Musicians and singers get in place real quickly and quietly this morning. Also those baptismal candidates, if you will go out this door right here and uh, Pastor Steve and he'll get you ready this morning very quickly. Please keep your focus up here. I'm not finished this morning. Let me ask you this morning, how will it be for you when you arrive in heaven? Peter said that it's possible for us to be granted a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some will have a grand entrance and some will get there by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. I can't speak for you, but I desire a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. I can't, talk, I can't talk for you this morning, but, but I don't want to come to God empty-handed. I can't answer for you, but I don't want my reward stripped from me because I had a wrong motive for what I did. And so I must constantly... Take a look at my life and say, are you loving people because you're the pastor and you're supposed to? Or do you genuinely love and care? Are you in the ministry because you need a paycheck? Or are you in the ministry because, first of all, you've been called. Second of all, you want to serve. You gave that money. Why did you give that money? Did you give that money so everybody would see that you gave money? Jesus said if you did that, then the reward is everybody saw you give it. And they said, well, he's generous. Wow, he's a wonderful. There's your reward. I'm too tight with my money. I, that's not enough of a reward for me. if I could just barely make it in. Well, let me tell you, barely making it in is a whole lot better than not making it at all. But that's not my goal. And just 
Escaping hell is not enough. I want some rewards, and I want to honor God with my life. And I want to hear him say, well done. My love language is words of affirmation. Most men's are. Mine's words of affirmation. I like it. My wife knows it. She gives it to me. The greatest words of affirmation I will ever hear. As great as it makes me feel when I hear them come from my father, and I get those now, that I get from my, my wife, and it's awesome. But the greatest words of affirmation that I will ever be able to hear will be when my heavenly father gives me those words of affirmation. And he says, well done, my good and faithful son. You were faithful over a little bit. I make you ruler over a lot. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Every day when I pray, I include in my prayer, God, I want to be found faithful and I want to be found fruitful. I want to be found faithful and I want to be found fruitful. Amen. Father, I thank you for the word of God today. God, I just pray today that you will take the word today. Lord, the tr- not, not my words and not my, the sermon that I put together. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your pure word. Take your word today and let your word do its work. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will take the word of God and you'll use it. It will not return void, but it will accomplish you intended for it to accomplish. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all over this room this morning. I wonder if you might be in this room this morning and You do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And today you want to make the decision to turn from your old life of sin and turn toward Christ and His cross. And today you want to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord Savior. If that's you in this room this morning, lift your hand up really high. Hold it up there until I recognize that you have lifted your hand this morning. That's all I'm asking you to do right now. Just lift your hand in this room today. I don't know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Today, I want to place my faith, my trust, my hope, my confidence in what God did for me through Jesus Christ on his cross. Anyone in this room today? All right, I wonder how many in this room this morning 
I went through these last five subpoints. Talked about this morning. Effort. Excellence. Endurance. Evidence. Effectiveness. Pastors, you went through that list today. I definitely saw there's room for improvement in some of these areas in my life. If that's you, can I see your hand this morning all over this room? Hands going up everywhere. Hands going up everywhere. Father, I just pray today in the name of of your Son, Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray for each one today that lifted a hand this morning. I don't know what it represented. I don't know. God, I just pray that you'll help us, Father, to get serious in our walk with you. God, I pray that serving you, Lord, it becomes something very important and top priority in our life. And we will desire, Father, not just to, just to barely make it in, not just to get to heaven, but God, I, I pray, God, that when we get there, Father, we'll enjoy a grand entrance. There will be pomp and circumstance. There will be great jubilation and joy. And there will be great reward waiting on us. I praise you and I thank you for it and I believe you for it, Father. 